The following podcast is sponsored by you. If you'd like to donate to help us continue providing the best VCU men's basketball podcast out there, please use the link in the show notes for this episode. Proceeds from your donations will be used to pay for hosting fees, which are the most expensive ongoing part of providing this show. Thank you in advance, and go Rams! Welcome to Rams Rewind, a podcast that looks back at all of the action from VCU men's basketball. After each game, our host George Templeton talks live on Facebook with Ram fans and gives his take on the team's performance. And now, here's George. All right, welcome back to Rams Rewind. If you like what you hear, and I sure hope you like what you hear today, shoot us some dinero. There's a link in the there's a link in the description on Podbean and your other podcast platforms to donate to us. You've been so generous with us all all year. We really appreciate it. And if you do, we'll we'll shout you out like our friend uh, Timothy Sharp, who gave us who gave us a nice donation today. We really appreciate it. It's been quite a season, and my goodness, what a final! What a crazy final in many respects. VCU versus Dayton. Before we get to the brackets, let's get to how we got into the bracket. VCU 68, Dayton 56. A game that didn't start well for VCU, let's be perfectly honest. I was very concerned uh, at the way Holmes <clears throat> got off early, and I was also very concerned because early on you could see the narrative, not just Holmes and, and Darren Holmes, Deron Holmes and Mustafa Amzil producing against us, but the fact that we were that VCU was getting bludgeoned early on the boards. And, um, and it was a big, big problem. And you look at the first half, you know, VCU was not really in control at all. They were struggling on offense. Uh, they, weren't, they weren't patient. They were playing into Dayton's hands. Dayton was running their offense, getting good shots, especially at the end of the clock. Uh, Holmes made a bunch of them in this game. And VCU wasn't. And, and, the, and the one thing that kept it from being worse is that VCU made a bunch of foul shots at the end because – they were three for six to start the half, then made their last six in the last couple of minutes to catch up with Dayton on that. But they were, you know, they were shooting thirty-six percent in the half. They were nine, <coughs> excuse me, of twenty-five. And Holmes and I mean Holmes and Omzeal, they had twenty-nine points. VCU had thirty. And the good, the only good news was Kamara was in foul trouble, so he only had two. You know, Kobe Brea had didn't have any. Blakeney didn't have any. Only had two off the bench. So they were still in the game, and I think what's underrated, what's going to be not talked about as much, but should be, is you know VCU was was kind of on the ropes. Two forty three to go, coming out of the last timeout, they're down six. I'm sitting here at home watching, saying to myself, as long as it's not more than six, we're going to be okay. We've got a chance. We just cannot let this thing get further than six points. Uh, you know, and, and they managed to do that. They went in down 36-30, and, and to me, that was huge. That was actually very, very important uh, for, this, uh, for, for, for this game because I think Dayton would look at the, would look at the first half and say, well, we, we shot almost 50%. We had two guys go absolutely off. VCU had a bad time shooting foul shots, and after making some early threes, they didn't make a lot of them at the end of the half. We really should have been in this game. 
Uh, but we really should have been further ahead than what we were. And even one of the people, I think it was Barbara Highlander in the game thread, said was listening to the game, said it sounded like we should have been down 20. And and she's not wrong. I, I, I don't disagree with that at all. I think, you know, VCU could have been in real trouble. And, and remember, in the game at Dayton that VCU turned out to win, VCU was down 14 at the half. Now, of course, in Richmond, they were only down four at the half. So it wasn't a terrible result given how they were playing. And then you start the second half off with Holmes getting a stick back and foul on a three-point play, and then Kamara flying in and getting a stick back. And just like that, it's 41-30 in the game. They're down 11. They're big, big trouble. Big, big trouble, uh, the Rams at that point. And, and you know, they, and they, they, I mean, they, they got bludgeoned. They were, I think at that point, it was 16, it would have been about 16 to three or four in terms of second chance points. They were in, they were in strife. But what turned the game? Well, I'll tell you. And this, and again, it's funny that we're singling this young man out because he didn't have a huge game points wise. But once again, he is so important to this team, Nick Kern. That alley oop dunk was huge, and then and then he turned around and made another really good play right after that. I think because I think I don't know if he got that. I'm trying to think if he got the next basket or not. I'm looking through the pay play by play. <clears throat> yeah, he gets the next basket right after that driving layup, and that was the other thing. You know, other people said it in the game thread. It was so true. VCU was too timid attacking the paint. So here comes Nick Kern driving on the baseline or the Kern line, as I like to call it, getting a dunk. And in the very next possession, at the VCU gets a stop, he drives down there after a nice pass from Baldwin and gets a layup. And I think that five, I think those two baskets really did, did what VCU needed the most. It put a jolt right into him. <clears throat> and even though Kamara made a basket right back after that to get it to nine, VCU started to cook. And that's what Nick Kern does. He is a juice player. Josh, we you know we named him and Josh Banks at the beginning of the year as kind of our juice players off the bench. We haven't seen this much of Banks, but Nick Kern, he's going to give this team a jolt, and he does it again. And they start going. They make the big run. They make the big run and actually and actually uh, cut the lead. You know, cut the lead down and I, to one. You know, it's John's three. None three, and then Watkins cuts it, and, and just like that, just like that, from being down eleven, they're down one, and actually they make it believe with Kern before before Dayton takes it right back. But at that point, it's game on, it's game on, and then VCU's defense takes over, and you just you you know you cannot you wouldn't believe it if you didn't see it yourself. Yes, Dayton's had their issues, and they've had their issues on offense and injuries, but they've got two really fantastic players in, in Deron Holmes and Tamani Kamara. And admittedly, Tamani Kamara was limited by fouls. That's why he had, by his standard, such a poor game after really sticking it to VCU twice. VCU's defense makes forces Dayton to miss 19 of their last 20 shots to end the game. Absolutely unbelievable. Uh, I mean, I'm going to look. I'm going back to the play-by-play to look at it, but I think that, that they get they get the field goal. They get Holmes's miracle three, which gosh, if they'd have lost this game, Holmes had three of those. 
where at the end of the shot clock, he was putting up a ridiculously difficult shot with somebody draped all over him, and he made it. So he makes the three with 10, 12 left to put them up one when it should have, when it looked like it was going to be a shot clock violation, and you're just like, give me a break. What, <clears throat> what in the heck? And then we go down here as I look, because then you got Holmes free throws and more Holmes free throws. And I'm trying to see who got that one field goal for uh, for Dayton at the end, because it's just it's I think it's one field goal in the last ten minutes uh, for Dayton, I think, and I might even be wrong about that. It might have been zero. Um, let me see here. It's like they don't have the right they don't have these things colored right. Yeah, I, actually, I think it's I think that. Field goal was the last field goal of the game for Davidson in that game. Is now I'm looking at it. I'm gonna, I'm making sure I scroll through real slow just to make sure that that's that I'm not incorrect here on that. But it that it was such an incredible effort on defense, and and you know Dayton made some foul shots. I mean, Don Holmes got up there and made foul shots and kept them in the game that way. But by and large, you know, VCU just locked all of them up. Locked them up. And what did they do? They were more patient on offense. They went inside, outside. They had Johns and Deloach, who quite frankly were struggling in the first half, come up with some big finishes at the basket. We've struggled so much on that this year. Huge finishes at the basket from both of them. You know, Brian John, Brandon Johns had some foul trouble and only gets eight points. He ends up with the second best plus minus on the team in 24 minutes. He was plus 15. Really terrific. You know, Jameer Watkins off the bench, plus 17, plus or minus. Had a couple of no-no shots that were yes, because he made them. Because I wasn't sure if it was the right shot because he took it so quick in the clock. Um, but they their defense, I mean, this was old school VCU. This was the VCU of, of, of Shaka, Will Wade, and certainly early part of Mike Rhodes where they could just they, they could just clamp somebody and that was it. They, they, if they wanted to, they could clamp somebody and find a way to win. I mean, you just don't see a team with that kind of, with 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 that kind of skill on the offensive side like Dayton have go one for twenty and miss their last fifteen shots, and that's what they did. And so there were just heroes all over the place. You know, Jaden Nunn only has five points, but he has six assist, six rebounds, three assists, a couple of really great decisions, and he had a couple threes as VCU started to get back in the game. You know, Johns, when he was on the floor, was really good and had a couple of nice finishes at the basket. Ace, again, fantastic, 16.7 assists. A couple of bad shots he took. He was 4 for 10. A couple of shots he took I didn't like. Jalen Deloach, double-double, 13 and 10 with three assists. You know, laid a couple just laid a couple of absolute beauties on a plate, Jalen Deloach. And, and, again, had a couple other ones. He had one where he just missed Ace right at the start of the game that if it was a little more accurate, would have been another assist. And he had a couple other ones that could have been assists that weren't. Uh, but, you know, again, Jalen Deloach was struggling in that game and really got his own back in the second half. Watkins, tremendous. Eight boards from Watkins. And, here, and, and speaking of the rebounding, so they were dominated in the first half rebounding. It's plus seven to Dayton, plus two on offensive rebounds, plus six on second chance points. So think of that, and then they get second chance points right out of the gate, and you're thinking to yourself, "This is this is bad." I mean, at one point in the game, it was 19 to seven on second chance points, 
But VCU almost catches up in that regard in the second half. VCU wins the rebounding battle plus two. They're minus three on offensive rebounds, not great, but they end up minus one on second chance points, and they were way down early part of the second half, VCU. Way, way down. And again, it was it was just it was heroes everywhere. You know, Baldwin is 10 in the second half, but Deloach and Kern and Johns have six. None and Watkins, none and Watkins each have five. They win this game without David Shriver making a three, and they make five of nine threes in the second half against a team that's top six, I think, in the country in three-point field goal percentage defense. They make five of nine threes in the second half, and Shriver doesn't even take a three in the second half. That just tells you right there. And meanwhile, Jim Spinarkle, the color commentator, was right and I was wrong, and Mike Rhodes made the adjustment, you know, they started doubling Holmes and Omzeal and even Kamara. They started doing that dig where the guy goes and, and looks like he's going to double, and then he closes out hard on the, on the shooter, and it worked. And Dayton and, and the fatigue must have played a part in this. Dayton won for 13 in the second half from three, and that was Holmes' miracle three. Nobody else made one. And i got to shout out one of the members of our group, Steve Floyd, because he posted this in one of the threads as we were getting ready for the tournament after the yesterday's win and before today's game, before Sunday's game against Dayton. VCU had 130 minutes off their bench in the tournament. Dayton had 39. And that caught up with Dayton because you don't shoot six for 30, and in this case, one for 20 to finish the game. You, a team like that's not going to shoot like that if they're not tired. They didn't have the lift in their legs. And VCU bet on that, and it worked. It worked. And they just and they just rolled in this second half. And meanwhile, VCU shooting five of nine from three, it's fifty five point six percent. Fifteen of twenty seven from the field, fifty five point six percent. So even though they didn't make any free throws in the second half, which was kind of infuriating, a lot of those misses came at the end when the game was decided. Anyway, they win the game and they had twelve assists on fifteen made field goals, which is great offense against two turnovers. I mean, you really can't do much better than that. And, and, it, and funny, too, because they only got 58 in the first game. They got 63, but they had to have 44 in the second half to do that. They get 38 in the second half today. And, again, this gets a very good defensive team, Dayton. Uh, to do that is absolutely fantastic. And so Mike Rhodes, you know, he entered this tournament. The pressure was on. His postseason record was not great. One win away from the Seagull Center in his postseason, in his tenure in postseason, and that was in his first year. And now he wins three games at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn. VCU beats Dayton in Brooklyn again to win the A-10 again and to guarantee themselves a place in the tournament. So now we're in the tournament. So let's talk about the tournament placing we get. And my goodness, it is a very interesting one. We get Albany on Friday. So first and foremost, no, no doggone, no doggone Western Western frickin' region like we normally get. No long trip out to God knows, you know, hell's half acre, thousands of miles away. No, 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 no. We do not get that. Hallelujah. We do not get that. Instead, as I'm going to call it up, we get Albany. We get, I believe it's the West region, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, the West region, the number 12 seed. And how about this? A rematch with St. Mary's, the number five seeded team that knocked us out 
I think that was Will Wade's last game as coach is what I remember, but I could be wrong about that. They beat us in the tournament. I think it was 2017. We get St. Mary's out of the West Coast Conference, the number five seed. We don't have times yet, not as far as I've seen, and I've been scouring Twitter, but I don't think there there have been I don't think a lot of times have been released yet. At least I haven't seen any. And I'm just doing a quick check now to see if BCU or anybody's posted anything. Um, so I I am not too sure about that at this point. So yeah, we don't have times yet. And we're in Albany, and of course we also have in our little our little pod, Connecticut and Iona. So first things first. Not too bad to travel. Upstate New York is a bit of a haul, but it's not Moraga, California to upstate New York, to the to the capital of New York. So, and you've got Yukon and Iona there. So what you're going to have is a hot crowd. That is going to be a hot crowd. I would expect and hope for lots of VCU people to get up there. Yukon will have tons of people. Iona will have tons of people. That's going to be fun. That is going to be a that's going to be a lot of fun. <coughs> Excuse me, those games. I didn't even see who else got Al- who else got Albany. Now that I think about it, I I am not sure who else got Albany at this point. Uh, let's see here. They might have it listed. I'm looking on Wikipedia now to see. Oh, okay, Miami, Florida, Drake, Indiana, Kent State. So you know that's that's kind of a that's a decent region in terms of there, there's some big name programs. You've got some locals. You kind of got a little bit of everything there. And of course, you got two five twelves and two four thirteens, which means you got potential upsets. So this is this is interesting. Now St. Mary's here. Here's the great. Here's two great things for us because people are people on Twitter are like, "Oof, that's a tough one for VCU," and "Oof, that's tough." You know, mid major playing technically another mid major, which unfortunately the committee loves to do that, as they did it with Florida Atlantic and doggone um, Memphis playing each other, which is kind of garbage that that's the way that came out. But here are the things that are really good. St. Mary's is a difficult team to play because they're one of the slowest-paced teams to play in the country. Um, they are they are a very deliberate. They are very deliberate. They're 359th in tempo. They're a very good defensive team, defensive efficiency ninth. So VCU's playing one of the few teams that's actually better than them in defensive efficiency, and they're not bad offensively. They're 40th. You know, they got four guys that average double figure figures, including a, a 6'10 center. Uh, let me get his name real quick because I had it up here. Uh, 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 Mitchell Saxon, who started every game for him. Big old 6'10, 242 guy. He's going to be a challenge uh, for us. Uh, so, so will, uh, so will uh, uh, Alex Dukas up front. So they average four guys in double figures, and they got a freshman who's kind of moved into the starting lineup and was on the all-rookie team and is their second-leading scorer. So that's going to be a challenge for us. But here's two good things. It's tough to play St. Mary's because of how slow they place. Well, you really couldn't pick a better team to play in preparation for that game than Dayton. Why do I say that? Well, St. Mary's, tempo, 359th, according to Ken Pomeroy. So, again, you're talking about – <clears throat> Excuse me. One of the slowest paced teams, one of the slowest paced teams in, in college basketball. You know that's that's who they are. Dayton is three hundred and fifty fourth. So to me, that tells you right there. Now Dayton, of course, not as good defensively or offensively as St. Mary's, and so I'll acknowledge that. 
But Dayton's got, you know, when you go on up against, when you play three games against Holmes and Tumani Kamara, who are as physically skilled and as basketball skilled as anybody, I think you're, I think, I think after, I think that's really good preparation for the St. Mary's Gales. So that's the first thing. We're playing one of the slowest paced teams in the country. Well, we just played one of the slowest paced teams in the country. So that's not going to be a problem for VCU, or it shouldn't be. Um, it's, it may very well mean that you have to play the game on their terms, but I'll tell you why I'm fine with that. Because the, you, when you go back and look at this cha- championship game win over Dayton, <clears throat> when VCU sped themselves up and took quick shots, by and large, it didn't work. That is where they got into trouble. That is where they made mistakes. That is where they caused themselves a problem. It is only when that they were patient, made Dayton defend, that they were able to get good shots. And again, yes, Dayton's not as good a defensive team as St. Mary's, but I say the same thing is true. You don't want to give away cheap possessions against a team like St. Mary's because just like Dayton, they will work the clock and they will get good shots at the end of the clock. By them. They can get good shots at the end of the clock. They're not going to panic. And Dayton didn't either for the most part today. So you got to defend for 30 seconds. The other key is this, rebounding margin. May St. Mary's is number one in the conference in rebounding margin. Uh, they out-rebounded their teams. <coughs> I had to look at it, and now I've lost it. Right, let me go get this back up because this, this was something else. When I was looking at this, rebounding margin, St. Mary's number one far and away out rebounds their opponents 7.6 per game. So here you go. You know we've just played Dayton, who gave us who, who gave us a problem with that second you know second chance points rebounding. <clears throat> now we're playing St. Mary's, who's got a pretty big front line like Dayton does, pretty sizable front line, and it's the same thing. We got to find a way to be to be able to be competitive on the backboard, to not get bludgeoned on the backboard and give up a ton of second chance points because that's what could have cost us the game today. Today against Dayton, it could cost us here against St. Mary's. Here's the other thing, though, that makes me feel good about a St. Mary's matchup. Number one, St. Mary's did not play a very challenging non-conference schedule, but what they didn't do was play any true road games in non-conference. Not a one. They played Oral Roberts, who's in the tournament, Vermont, who's in the tournament, North Texas, who was a runner-up to um, to Florida Atlantic, Hofstra, who was narrowly missed the tournament, beating Charleston. They played Vanderbilt, who narrowly missed the tournament. Played some good games. You know, they lost at home to New Mexico, who was one of these bubble teams. They played Houston in Fort Worth and only lost by five. Played well. Beat San Diego State and Phoenix. So they played a lot of good games. What they didn't do was play on the road in non-conference play. They did win on the road in conference play, and that'll help. But that's the first thing that makes me kind of feel good is a whole lot of neutral site games, not a lot of, a lot of road games. And maybe that prepares them better for Albany. But again, long trip for them, shorter trip for VCU. I would like to think that VCU is going to have an advantage in fans there. And, you know, they were a good road team. You know, you only lose two games – in conference play, and the only one, and one of those was at Gonzaga, where they usually lose. The other one was at Loyola Marymount, they lost in overtime. But here's the key: because of the way the West Coast Conference tournament works, where the ones and the twos get a get a bye all the way to the semifinals, 
even though it's an 18 tournament, so they don't do three games in three days. BYU, excuse BYU. BYU is one of the teams that St. Mary's played in that tournament. St. Mary's has played two, count them, two games since February 25th. I mean, I, t- I mean, that's kind of incredible when you think about it. I mean, that is, let's see here, February 25th is 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 three Saturdays ago, or is going to be three Saturdays ago uh, by the time we get to Friday. So that's two games in 20 days. So, uh, and I, again, Randy Bennett's used to this. He's a great coach. You know, they've been in this situation, so they've had lots of days off. They've been able to prepare and win games. But i got to think that VCU, and this is one place where that bye helps, VCU having played Thursday, off Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Friday, VCU should be in a better rhythm. You know, maybe we will be able to take advantage of St. Mary's if they have to knock some rust off. But again, we are up against Randy Bennett, who's a great coach, and you know they've been in this situation many times. Because, of course, you know, even before they did the double-buy nonsense in the West Coast Conference, they were finishing Monday night, six days before the bracket was out. So they've been, they were regularly facing you know, <clears throat> anywhere from 10 to 11 days without playing before they would play in the NCAA tournament. So he's got a routine, I'm sure, to get these guys ready to go so that that may not be the case. But I, I can't help but think that that's an advantage for VCU. And to me, that's the two reasons why I feel like VCU can pull this off. They just played Dayton, and to me, Dayton is a perfect preparation for playing St. Mary's. And they've been playing games this weekend, and Dayton has it, and Dayton's only played two in 20 days. That's big. So VCU fans out there who are listening to this out in podcast land, hopefully you know Monday morning or Sunday night or whenever this comes out, uh, I hope I've given you some things to think about that are really the, the, to chew on, uh, that are positive. Um, this is this could be a rock fight. VCU's not uncomfortable in a rock fight. Uh, you know they're not as good as I mean. Again, if, they, if this was last year's defensive team, you know we'd be talking about first to forty-five wins uh, potentially because of how good that team, that defensive team was and how good <coughs> excuse me St. Mary's defensive team is now. But I think VCU can pull this off. I do think they can pull this off. And UConn Iona is anybody's guess. UConn is really good, but they they threw that game away against Marquette in the semifinal. Um, and again, them getting Iona, that's going to mitigate the home court advantage they might have gotten in Albany. Because again, New Rochelle to New York to Albany, there's going to be plenty of. Iona fans there. Plus, it's Patino, and you know, and and he's the you know they were in the tournament two years ago as a 15 seed and scared the life out. I think it was out of Alabama. So you you you, you can't rule out an Iona upset there, which would be unbelievable. And of course, you know, there's all these rumors swirling around Rick Patino returning to the Big East. <clears throat> so you know, we'll see how that plays out. But VCU's got a chance now. Here's the plan. I am efforting. Somebody to have another pod to really do a deep dive into St. Mary's. St. Mary's and the kind of team they are and how they play and all that other stuff. So we're efforting that for hopefully Tuesday or Wednesday. Wednesday, 
probably Wednesday evening. VCU by the numbers in the Facebook group. If you're not a member of the VCU Good and the Bad and the Ugly, join us. It was a wild, rollicking thread today, and it was an equally wild, wild post-game celebratory video after VCU pulled it off, and we have a lot of fun in this group. And again, we always keep track of our non-conference opponents. We'll always keep, keep track of the other sports uh, at VCU. That's just what we do. And other little features that we'll add <coughs> uh, that, that we have as well. So join our group. Wednesday, VCU by the number. So again, we'll we'll be going we'll be going through the Ken Palm and then find the final net as we get into the into the tournament. Uh, we'll be looking we'll be comparing St. Mary's numbers and VCU's numbers and how they stack up on Ken Palm. And again, by Ken Palm, it'd be a pretty big upset if VCU beat St. Mary's. But I still think they can pull it off. Uh, and so we'll look at all that. That will be Wednesday in the Facebook group. And, you know, we'll hopefully have a pod with you, with somebody who's, you know, familiar with St. Mary's who's going to give us a good breakdown on that. So I want to thank everybody for listening. Thank you for donating. Once again, if you want to help us out, shoot us a little dinero in the link in the PayPal. The PayPal link's in the description on Podbean, your various podcast platforms. Thank you, thank you all for listening. Talk to you all later. To submit a question for George to answer in an upcoming episode or to inquire about sponsorship opportunities for this podcast, please email ramsrewind at gmail.com. We'll be back after the next game, and thanks for listening to this episode of Rams Rewind.